Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Grinders Podcast. I'm Tim and Grayson. As always, I'm joined by Bradley Carpenter and a very tired and kind of solemn Rudy Brixa tonight. So if he's a little he's a little down tonight at the cast, it's probably what's up. But we're going to be covering him uh, a couple of topics tonight. We're going to talk about the uh, the GP that happened over the weekend. Yeah, there was one. Uh, yeah, it's probably news to most of you. It's news to us as well. But there was a GP this weekend, and uh, Brad's best friend in the world took it down, or one of his best friends. Uh, and then we're going to get you ready for the Invitational, our SEG con that's going on this weekend. Uh, so we're gonna be talking a lot of standard and a lot of modern, and that should be enough for the show. We might go over the fact that you know the London Mulligan rule is live. We'll talk about you know some of the other news that's going on in MTG right now. But we're gonna try to stick to those topics mostly. Anyway, how you boys doing? Uh, fan, fantastic. I think. Yeah, yeah. You doing good? Yeah. Really? Are, you, are you? Were you really excited to see that one Benjamin Friedman won the uh, the Grand Prix this weekend? You know, uh, as Ben likes to say, you know, you, you don't hate to see that. You don't hate to see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I was battling out on the uh, in the Magic Online MCQ, and I was talking to Andrew uh, throughout it. And then, yeah, just obviously we had to wait for like Twitter updates or whatever because mm-hmm. you know, no actual coverage. But yeah, no, he uh, he did it. You know, I am yeah. uh, I am very proud to get to hang out with him tomorrow once I arrive in Baltimore. He got to so achieve a pretty cool t- cool thing too. He will be the last person ever to receive the platinum. Uh, I think like the last person ever to achieve platinum as a pro, unless they bring it back or whatever. But you know, like Ellen Bogan's the last pro tour champion. This is the last person to ever put themselves into the into the into the platinum pro uh status so i guess that's kind of cool um there's another thing going on the gp uh was it like nakam uh, shuhei was playing in it and just missed top eight i think he got ninth and had he uh made the top eight he would have broken the tie that he him and rafael levy have for all-time pro points or whatever oh wow like they're literally tied for like all time or whatever and had he just like you know, one of his tiebreakers been slightly better or whatever. He would have broke the tie. There was, I saw some people commenting on it the last couple of events. I think it's actually why he went to the event was to like, try to try to do it. And he, I was actually, you know, playing for it in the last round and uh, just missed it. But um, anyway, uh, before we get into too much more magic, cause we're going to, we're going to do a little more of the uh, getting, getting out here. Are you guys doing Rudy? And it was a rough weekend work wise, but what's been up? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I've worked uh, um, in the last Four days alone, but like actually, because we're recording this uh, Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, okay. Tuesday. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. I uh, in the last four days. So today, Monday, Saturday, Sunday, not including because I worked. I worked seven days in a row. Uh, now this is like day eight, nine, and I'm going to work two more days before I leave for the Invitational. Uh, I've worked at least forty hours in the last four days. So <laughs> uh. yeah, I'm. I, I'm I'm a bit tired, just a little bit. So at this point, it's uh it's pretty rough um for me. I yes, I, I understand that uh, there are some people who obviously probably work more than I do, but working nine days in a row, maybe a little more, and working forty hours in the last forty four days has been a little bit a little bit rough. because uh, I've been I've been a little tired, especially because I'm on my feet all day. Uh, you know, I serve, so I'm basically doing like a lot of physical labor while I'm also working all this time. Uh, so it's pretty brutal. But for the most part, I've just been uh, doing a little bit of testing, uh, trying to like get in, uh, you know, some sort of testing for, for the Invitational that's, that's coming up this weekend. Because obviously I want to do a little bit well, but I don't have a ton of time to test, you know, because I've been working so much. Yeah, it's funny to me, like we've, we've all just called it the Invitational. It's actually just called like SCG Con now. 
you know, featuring the Invitational. And it's just, it's funny to me because like, it, it's, it's kind of like uh, Pro Tour and Mythic Championship, right? You know, like we should have the, the dollar swear jar or whatever, every time we call it just the Envy. But for all of us that have been around, you know, I played my first one in like, I don't know, 2012 or something, 2013, whenever, whenever it like started up. You know, and I was like super excited, but it's the first time I ever played Legacy in my life. I had literally never cast Brainstorm before, before getting there. And, you know, we all just kind of know it as that name for the longest time. Because like that's why you're going, right? It's the main reason you're going, you know? Like if, if the Invitational, if it was just a convention going, like I I would definitely not go out of my way to go to this. You know what I mean? And stuff, so. Really? I'm going for all the sweet, sweet side events and the get and the and the day passes and the massages. Okay, that I do I, get a I massage. massage. I get a massage every time I'm there, and I do appreciate all the stuff that's going on inside. I like to see it. You know, what I mean, it's like what you said. You don't hate to see it. You know, it's great stuff. It's not my thing. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way. Like, you know, to go to go do one of those things. If it was the only thing of its kind, like if it was the only convention of its kind, I would definitely go. You know, but if, you know, if you've been to a bunch of Grand Prix, you've been to a bunch of events and stuff, it's it's not super different. But if you've never been to SCGCon, you definitely should go. There's a lot of cool stuff going on inside. It's just not for me. You know what I mean? I'm just like there yeah. for the competitive even, part. Even besides the the actual Envy, there's like so many bonus there's, events. Though, there are some really cool say, events and stuff going on, though. I will say that. Yeah, like the, uh, the team. The Sunday it's team like tournament, team, right? Yeah, with uh, it's like vintage uh, 1994 and legacy. Yeah, so it's like it's legacy, formats. vintage, old school, right? And yeah. if I was going to this event, I was going to play in that. And uh, yeah, well, the thing is, it's like I was going to have Stu Summers on my team. He could actually just fund the entire team. Like he's got multiple sets of power and stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, I was going to have him play vintage because he's, he's apparently a very good shops player. We're going to have like a third person. I was going to probably try to get a legacy ringer. To play a legacy and i was gonna right. play old did, school did you, say, did you say he was very good at drawing the card workshops so yeah he's very good at drawing the card workshop yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's very hey we got that london mulligan rule coming up soon too i'm sure it's gonna be real easy to draw workshop in that deck but yeah, yeah i can't i, can't I was just it. super excited i wanted to play some uh some old school man like that that format looks great there's like a decent tempo deck it looked like i looked up some deck lists and stuff it feels like you're playing block you know what i mean like you have a very small card pool from which to draw from plus i just wanted to like like riffle shuffle my deck in front of my opponent you know what i mean like well, single sleeve like just not just not give a shit like just well, not care i am kind of excited scg con is like another one of those tournaments that's super close to me so uh, because of my work schedule and everything i'm not planning on going to very many so it's scg con which is five hours then i'm going to the three team events next season you have like the same schedule as me yeah yeah and i think that just might be it um yeah just real quick i'm planning on going to all the team events which we may get four because like they haven't announced all of the opens yet like what the formats are i'm gonna try i'm going to atlanta and dallas most likely because they're drivable for me i say drivable they're like eight hours and then i may go to syracuse because it's a legacy open and i'm gonna see if i can get myself there it's very expensive but i might do like a couple fundraiser streams and see if i can like get a little extra cash to help pay for the the plane because the plane ticket is just absurd it's like I have to top four to even like come close to remotely breaking even or something in the event. And that's a lot, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to do. Um, I will say for, we, since we're already just talking about like Roanoke and the invitational, we can just go ahead and talk about it um, for food wise. Um, I've had a ton of really good food there. We talked about this the last time the episode, I didn't, I meant to talk to Ross before the episode to get the name of, a bunch of restaurants because Ross Merriam lives there obviously and knows a bunch of the good really places the really good places around there um, all the way from like bar food all the way up to like you know your fancier restaurants plus like good vegetarian options 
and stuff as well. So um, I'll if you're really interested in this, I know a lot of people want to hear this. If you're really interested, shoot me a message on Twitter or shoot me a DM or something on Facebook or any other social media thing. And I will get uh, the names of some of the stuff. Uh, they, yeah, someone in the chat talking about just just started GoFundMe to get me to Syracuse. That's that's a thing, right? We're not going to get on that subject, but yeah, let's let's not get into that because one day we should we should definitely like have flights attached to it still, and nobody should be shitting on anybody for making a GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. Leave leave people alone. Let people enjoy things. Let people do their thing. <laughs> like let yeah. people help people. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's just like it's just the the whole concept's ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, there was a Grand Prix this weekend. We kind of alluded to it. Uh, ben ended up winning. But did you guys see the decks that were in the top eight? Yes. It was pretty interesting, right? Like, this is this is not the top eight I expected. Uh, I mean, the deck that got second is is pretty much what I've been championing for a little bit. It's what I yeah. wrote about uh like last week or the, or the week before uh that i think gruel's just been in a, in a fantastic place it's kind of weird only one gruel deck made top eight and i don't have any deck list for anywhere because wizards we- uh, website is still very easy I to have navigate. Them all right in front of me yeah uh excellent it's up on it's on cha- it's on channel fireball here i'll tell you what i'll, I'll grab the oh, link and send uh, it to you or whatever I'm, but i'm glad i'm glad channel fireball has the link and not wizard's website well channel fireball <laughs> like ran the tournament or whatever but uh yeah let's go ahead and talk about that deck that got second since you since you brought it up right away it is a gruel deck um i actually like it a lot too it's a deck i've been testing a lot myself i think it's really good and really well positioned um some really cool cards in it that you didn't expect to see. Uh, I'm literally trying to find the list. It's, uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember the name, but Living Twister was actually a card that was a three of in the main deck of this. And this card, didn't expect to see it show up too much in Constructed, but very interesting. Uh, very hard to cast three drops, red, red, green, but it's a two five. So it dodges just tons of the removal in the format. And it gives the deck something that I've always found the one problem with Gruul is like, if you flood out like at all, you know, if you draw like the one extra land or the two extra lands, it's hard to win in some spots because you don't sink your mana well, like late into the games. You know, you don't have like extra card draw. You don't have like something that you could be putting your mana into in any kind of way. Like he didn't play um, Grove Chamber Guardians, which is like another mana sink that this deck sometimes plays. So this was was his uh, mana sink of choice. And it's pretty cool. It's a throw extra lands at people. It's a two five body that's like good enough in the early game to stave off red decks uh, aggression while being a threat that can attack planeswalkers and stuff. Uh, Brad, what do you make of this deck? Do you like it? I know you play a decent bit of standard. Uh, I think it's like pretty mopey in my opinion. And it, it really feels like it's like a, like a flip the top, like 10 cards off the top mm-hmm. of your library 15 and play. But I know Rudy has been playing a lot more than I have with it. Yeah. So he probably so, has so basically like the thing with gruel, why gruel is so good is because a lot of your spells are like impactful. You're, you're like the reason that the mono red deck is good in standard and has been good for a while is because with frenzy, you're really able to tear through a lot of your deck. So it doesn't matter that a lot of your cards might not necessarily always line up. You eventually draw enough cards that you're just going to, you know, swim through any opponent. That's, that's just why mono red is good. Gruel just kind of takes these like, you know, massive creatures and impactful planeswalkers that are really good at getting on the board, staying on the board and turning creatures sideways and getting a lot of damage. And that's why the deck is like reasonably good. And a lot of these decks uh, are, are really clunky. Like we take a look like, and obviously this is, this is not to nega on Ben Friedman, but like when you take a look at all these Esper lists, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is, you know, this is the Guildgate deck. This is something that we make fun of these decks for all the time. The Grixis decks, the Esper decks. These, these decks 
are slow and clunky and they have a lot of, uh, you know, come to play tap land. So a lot of times when you start playing these decks, you're not really playing on turn two, you're starting to play on turn three. And when you're playing against a deck like gruel or red, which can come out of the great aggressive and then keep up the aggression, you know, sometimes it's really hard for you to play catch up. So it's really good at punishing a lot of these decks. And, you know, if you're looking at something like Esper Control or Simic Nexus, these decks kind of just flounder around a lot. And Gruul is really good at kind of just punishing them. One of the big differences here, something that Tana was talking about for a little bit, was Living Twister. And one of the things that has always been a, you know, kind of a staple part of these Gruul decks is that they have a big issue when it comes to their lands. You know, these decks are playing like 22, 23 lands. And yes, they have, you know, a bunch of mana idiots in them. But a lot of times, you know, your color requirements are very, are very important. Like this person was playing seven fours, one Gruul killed gate, nine mountain. Like, you know, like, obviously, like, this is not like an ideal two color mana base. And, and so a lot of times you're in this really awkward position where sometimes you can't really cast your spells, you know, and you have these like really powerful cards. And when you're playing a card like Rekindling Phoenix and, you know, Domri and Shock and Llanowar Elves, there's a lot of tension going on. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at Living Twister, right? It's red, red, green for like, you know, what you want to be a three drop. It doesn't have to be a three drop. But then you look at Rekindling Phoenix, you want this on turn three or four. You know, and it's red, red. And then you look at Skargon and Hellkite, it's also double red. But this is a deck that has uh, Landwar Elves and wants to cast Landwar Elves on one. It has seven forests in it. You know what I mean? That, those cards do not get cast off forest, you know? So you need <laughs> you need double red. So I get why the Is It Guild... I mean, the Is It Guild Gate. I get why the Gruul Guild Gate is there, you know? But, like, it's it's a, it's a rough one. You're like, I need my fifth land. I need to cast this Hellkite. And you, like, draw Gruul Guild Gate, you know? Right, so basically like what Michael Byers did here, which was a lot different, is he's playing 25 lands and he's playing Living Twister. So not only is, uh, you know, Michael Byers more likely to be able to cast his spells, turn in, turn out, he has a card that actually wants him to have a bunch of lands. You know, Living Twister is a card that goes, I have to have fuel to be an effective magic card. And when you're playing 23 lands, it's really hard to go, yeah, I can make use out of my Living Twister at a reasonable chunk of change. But, you know, Byers went out here. He's like, all right, I'm just going to play 25 lands. I'm going to make sure my Living Twister is good. I'm going to have an even better aggro matchup than I already had. Because I think one of the reasons to play Gruul is because it's good against Red. That's like one of the big draws to it. And Living Twister, is, as you know, you pointed out, is just exceptional against the aggro decks. And it's a card in of itself that acts as not only a good blocker and trader, it also acts as removal. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the card's just like a little underrated. Like when I saw this card, I was like, man, will this make constructive play? Because... You know, it is like flood insurance, and I think it's it's pretty sweet that it can kind of pick off planeswalkers as well. And you see that the the I think one of the reasons the Gruul decks are in good position is it does attack planeswalkers well, right? And a lot of its creatures are resilient to removal or don't get punished so much by uh, by Teferi because like if you play Thorn Lieutenant on two and they Teferi bounce it, you could you just attack the Teferi with the one one that's left behind, and then Thorn Lieutenant gums up the ground pretty damn well against like mono red and, you know, mono white strategies. And then late in the game, we become a real threat. And this is another card that could be a mana seek in the deck as well, you know, along with Skarg and Hellkite. So like, you know, that's the thing that I worry about with decks like this is you don't have enough ways to, to sink your mana, but the way that Michael built his deck, he did. Um, so this is pretty cool. Uh, let's move on to Ben Freeman's deck. I'm going to let, uh, let Brad kind of like wax poetically about his friend here. Uh, ben one with Esper Hero, but this is kind of like the more new age Esper Hero that we've been seeing. Way less creatures in the main and way more Planeswalkers. Like there's just no Thief of Sanity anywhere in the 75 anymore. 
And that kind of makes sense. There's a lot of shocks running around in this format. And a lot of Planeswalkers like Teferi run around this Planeswalker in, in this format that that card doesn't line up very well against. Brad, what do you what do you like the most about this like Planeswalker control deck is really kind of what it is. Uh, not much. You don't, you don't like it? Uh, I, so I messaged Ben after I played a little bit after one. You're such a naysayer, man. Like, you're hating on every deck at standard. I love it. I was just, I was, I've lost with, like, everything. And I was like, Ben, I think, I said, Ben, what's up with this Esper deck? I don't think it's very good. I even told Andrew. And then Andrew said, Brad, I think you should play Gruel. And I said, that's a really mean thing to say. That's not something nice to say to somebody. Okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, I like the the command the dread horde is pretty interesting, as well as like the elder spell to counteract the other decks. Plus, you just have like a bunch of other planeswalker strategies with like Narset, Liliana, and then you have Teferi Hero and Teferi yeah, Camera, which kind of insane to play eight, yeah. which is just wild. And then you just have uh, four Basilic Bell Haunts and three Oaths, so you're just like never probably losing to Mono Red. Um, and it seems like Gruul would probably be a relatively good matchup. Um, but honestly, I haven't really got to play too much with the deck, and it hasn't felt very great. Every time I picked up Esper Hero, it just doesn't feel like a super like sleek deck. Right, I can understand it feels that. Very clunky and like all over the place, and I don't know. It's just... the mana base on it's pretty rough at times. I will admit that um, it's hard. I will say this: if if you're going to play this deck going forward. And you really think that Gruul is going to be like the breakout deck this weekend, which I really, really think it is. Like, I think it's going to have the biggest uptick in play. It was the breakout, excuse me, the breakout deck of the Grand Prix. It, it was, I think it was the highest conversion rate going into day two was Gruul or one of the most popular decks into, into day two. And a lot of people would not have guessed that. Um, I think you need to play more than one Dismark in your 75. Because, uh, I mean, Ben had one in his sideboard and one in his main. I think that might need to go up to like three, possibly four, because that card is absurd against the Gruul deck and still pretty good against a lot of other decks that are going on. Um, like every, yeah, it's like, quite good against the Planeswalker decks. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like most the, of the, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Dread Horde and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause like just removing the card from the game is a big deal, right? You know, like that for Kindling Phoenix and stuff that you need to remove, or you just don't want the card to go to the graveyard because of command the Dread Horde. And maybe there's a reason that you don't play too many Disparks because you're playing command the Dread Horde yourself. And it's maybe something that needs to be considered. Yeah. I think these parts actually good. And I think they're part of the reason D-Spark is good is because these Gruul decks go uh, play really differently. Like, we're looking at this buyer's list, right, that has Sarkin in it and Rekindling Phoenix and Skargan Hellkite. Those are, like, the big targets. But post-board cards like Immortal Sun, there are Gruul decks that are playing a bunch of copies of the Immortal Sun in the main deck. There are a bunch of, like, variants that are playing, like, a million different Planeswalkers. There are so many different versions that I think the Sparks on and up, you know, going to be good if people tend to latch on to Esper because they believe Esper has... Good gruel matchup. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm saying if that's that's where your thought is, like D Spark's also going to be really good in the mirror. Like snag, nagging to fairy is going to be insane. Uh, nagging Liliana is going to be insane. I don't want to like fall behind and lose to those cards. You know, so I I think in general, I I think I'm going to agree that D Spark is probably well positioned this weekend. Also, like all of these mono red decks are moving to four experimental frenzy and one to two Chandra in their main deck. There's just like no deck that you're going to play against where Dispark is not going to be a phenomenal card. I wouldn't want to overload on it. Like I'm not saying play four, but if you like just play two in your main deck, I don't know if that's an unreasonable thing to do. No, definitely agree. I think if you're playing narrow cards, it would uh it would really help to I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Playing cards like chart of the Co- chart the course and uh, 
and uh, yeah, yeah, tormenting yeah. voice. Yeah, so, like, and like, maybe if people are going to be dumb ideas. and register Arclight Phoenix, like, just to spark it. Can you just imagine that you're just like, oh, tormenting voice, discard this Arclight Phoenix, shock you, opt, ha ha, attack. And then someone's like, well, Brad, that was a really good play to spark your Arclight Phoenix. And then that would be just great, like, just seeing Brad get really upset right there. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, one of the other surprise decks that made it in the top eight of this event, um, it's labeled as Boros Aggro. So I was like, oh, is this like mono red splashing white? No, this is a Boros Aggro deck uh, built around Feather, the Redeemed, but also with like Dreadhorde Arcanist, 10th District Legionnaire, Krinko, and Adanto Vanguard. So a lot of really resilient or very like high value creatures with just a bunch of like Defiant Strikes, Guard for Battle, like sheltering light reckless rage so it's sprint like all these kind of cards so it's pretty much red white heroic i think is like you know a way to put it to people to like if you if you played in that set you kind of understand that kind of strategy or whatever it's kind of like play a creature protect it in some way and then get a ton of value off of it and then feather is obviously just insane it's like so good in this deck and if you ever get the feather uh reckless rage thing going against a creature deck they actually just can't win like, they, if they can't break it up immediately, they're going to die. This kind of deck scares me to play. Like, I'm, it, it seems very glass canony and fragile. Like, when I play against it, if they don't draw, like, two or three creatures, they seem to lose. And they don't play, like, a million creatures. They only, you know, they only play, like, 48, 12, 16, uh, 19 creatures. It's not like it's, like, a 30-creature deck. So if you only draw, like, one or two and they have removal spells at the right time, you might not be able to win here. But are you guys surprised to see this in the top eight of a Grand Prix? Uh, I think this indicates that, like, the red-based removal has gotten so popular, and there's a lot less black-based removal in the format, so we're seeing a lot of, like, damage-based removal, and, like, it seems like every creature in this deck, as well as, like, a lot of the protection spells, like, Sheltering Light is great against all the damage-based removal, like, uh, 10th District Legionnaire is, like, pretty hard to kill with Shock, Dreadhorde Arcanist, same thing, can't kill it with Shock, Adanto Vanguard is great against all those cards, and like feather is just a four butt, which is pretty nice, especially when people are starting to trim on lava coils or just play them in the sideboard. So it seems like this would just win against most of the red based creature decks. Yeah, that makes a uh, really good point. It's a really really good point. Actually, I didn't think about it that way. And like, yeah, you're not going to see as many cast downs in the format right now. And so like you know them doing something like uh, you know rec- like uh, some sprint or you know. Defiant Strike in response to kind of get their thing out of the out of the range of shock or out of the range of lightning strike. It's not really something you could do against cast down. And this deck it scares me, but I can see where you're saying that it's kind of, you know, it's kind of maybe well positioned because of the way I think you're going. Like this I played it I played it with uh with Gruel against this a couple times and it was really hard to win in some spots yeah, this for sure. Deck definitely looks a little on the fragile side because you're really an engine based deck, but once you get going it seems like it's going to be pretty mm-hmm. hard to, to kind of really like do anything but win. Yeah. Like once the train starts going, it, it's, it's really hard to beat this deck or disrupt it. It feels like mono blue did kind of, you know, last season where once they got their balls, like once they got the balls rolling, you know, like, and they got like any creature going and then they have a count, they get to leave up mana for counter spell or whatever. You can't win anymore. This kind of feels like that. So, uh, I'm scared of decks like this, but I can see where the allure is for people. It does just straight up kill people. And that's something that's nice and standard. You can put a lot of pressure on the Dreadhorde decks early in the game because like I find that's the way to beat that deck is you just 
put so much pressure on them that they can't ever afford to cast the card uh, Command right. the Dreadhorde. It, it also feels really good against the Explore package because your damage output is so high, and these decks are, are real. Realistically, they're not playing very many ways to interact with you. Like they maybe have a couple of cast down, they have a couple of Vraska, like maybe like one to two Vraskas. It's just, it's just not good, you know, to be. And you're basically relying on this Explore package that your opponent's just that you hoping that your opponent can't attack you, and then they're like feather you attack and you're like oh my god how do i ever win (laughs) that's just how i feel that that being said um i would recommend that if your plan is to play uh, what's kind of interesting is there was no command the dreadhorde in the top eight at all which is which is uh, kind of important because it was talked about a lot people were all about the deck it's definitely been on the rise a lot of writers said this is the best deck in standard but then we turn around and we get to it and it just didn't really perform very well at this people have had enough yeah for sure one of the interesting things i i wonder how many of these command the dreadhorde players have made the switch from cast down to assassin trophy so i think if you're going to play this command deck i think you just need to play a bunch of assassin trophies in your main deck i i agree i agree um i know uh jarvis you i think went 12 and 3 at this event and he played the like this straight up just like um soul tie version of Command the Dreadhorde, the one that like Efro registered for the MPL stuff. And I tested Efro's version and liked it and then talked to him about it. And the only removal he had in his main deck was cast downs. I was like, I, I just think these should be Assassin's trophies. Like it's just too often that I need to kill something, be it, you know, a, a planeswalker or whatever. And I just have no actual reach in my deck to do that. And like you can get kind of stone cold by, you know, Teferi bounce something and you're like, well, that's like the only thing I really had going. Um, a couple other decks made the top eight. Um, Bant Ramp made top eight. It's just a bunch of, you know, mana creatures, you know, Paradise Druids, Land Rails, uh, so, you know, just a bunch of the Bant lands, and then just all the really good Bant spells, you know, like all the really good uh, Bant creatures. Like you're looking at Frold Mystic, Hydroid Crisis, Lyra's in the main, Shalai's, Tolzmir. Uh, it's got four Nissa. Uh, this is a card that. I kind of missed on the, like, you know, going into thing. I was like, oh, this looks good. You know, mana flares are great. It's five mana. The plus one doesn't seem like good. The plus one's been way better than I thought it would be. It's very good at attacking opposing planeswalkers. And then the mana flare is really, really good when you compare it with stuff like Hydrocrasis and Incubation Druid. And then the deck also runs a Trancing Melody and Mass Manipulation. And, like, this is a reason I think you're, you saw some a lot of the planeswalkers deck not do that well, besides, like, Friedman's Esper Hero deck is, like, kind of a planeswalker deck. But the ones that are just mono planeswalkers, like, Jeskai or, or Esper is they can never beat the card mass manipulation. Yeah, like mass ever. manipulation is nice. I, I think what one of the interesting things about this ramped, this like kind of just ramp decks in general is how it's actually just really good at going over the top. Like we've we've seen a lot of these ramp decks in the past, right? Like it feels like every time we see one of those, like even like the explosive vegetation decks, always feel like kind of slow and feel like they almost have a lot of air in them. A lot of times, these decks feel like they have a goal. They get to it very quickly because their their top end isn't that expensive. And their mid-game is good at interacting early and often enough that you're not, you know, floundering around. Mm-hmm. Also, like, decks like this are kind of why you've seen the fourth or fifth color get added to the Dreadhorde decks. Like, you've seen Tristani actually start to show up. I saw Jim Davis doing that a lot. He used it to win, um, what is it called? The, the What's that thing they do every week? It's like fandom. Yeah, I almost called it FanDuel. So I was like, that's that betting site. Yeah, Fandom Legends. He actually won it last week with Four Color Dreadhorde and he had Tristani's in it and it was it comes in 
pretty important in matchups like this or opposing Dreadhorde decks where like they're like, okay, bring back a lot of your explorer readers. You're like, all right, play Tristan and give me back all my stuff. You know, kind of thing. Um, something that showed up in the sideboard of this and is a card that has actually been starting to make a little bit of uh, a resurgence into standard is a card I haven't seen in like a year and a half. Ripjaw Raptor. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's a lot of the green decks, especially the ones that have like uh, Incubation Druid, you know, Paradise Druid, like anything that can, uh, you know, make a four drop castable on turn three. Uh, wants to cast this card Ripjaw Raptor, especially against like the red decks, because it's just a good body that they can never get through and can kind of recur some of the card advantage you're going to lose. And the fact that you have all these mana creatures in your deck that you can draw, you know, and also it's a four or five. And like Brad had said earlier, a lot of the removal in the format right now is damage space. It's not cast down, you know, it's not mortify. It's lightning strike. It's lava coil. Those cards do not line up well at all against Ripjaw Raptor. Yeah, five uh, five toughness is like the sweet spot in standard right now. It's not a surprise to see Raptor plus Living Twister. Uh, I've even like taken a pretty big liking to Kefnet in this format, despite it being really poor against uh, Teferi. I think that card is very good, by the way. Yeah, it's like it's bad against Teferi. I do think that card is exceptionally pow- exceptionally powerful. Uh, another thing, my friends and I have been talking about, and like some of my teammates, if you're going to play red this weekend, like we're trying to fit Fight with Fire in somewhere all over the place because like you said five is just so important and it's another card that like if you draw it in a late game you're like oh oops i won you know like take a million you know or spread it out across a giant board because like in gruel if you play the mirror match there's a lot of games where like the board just gets super gummed up and you have to like you know try to purse your way through like you know attacking and like double blocking stuff and you just have fight with fire you can either kill a uh uh, a five five dragon because you always make the dragon five five in the mirror or you know you can just kick a fight with fire and really get them uh, rounding out the top eight, we had a Simic Nexus make uh, top eight, but it's not the Simic Nexus that you're used to. There were no copies of Reclamation in this deck, and there was no instant speed card draw in this deck as well. So they were playing around Teferi really, really well and playing around enchantment removal really, really well. Also, they just had a lot of creatures in the main. They had four Hydro Crisis, four Incubation Druid, four Jade Lights, and four Land Were Elves. And then as their mana ramp, instead of having Reclamation, they just had Nissa. Yet again, Nissa is very absurd. The uh, Mana Flare is something that's getting explored more and more and more in these decks, and it is very good. And so you're seeing just like this, these four Nissa, four Tamiyo decks starting to kind of like, you know, get into the get into the format and do really well. Because here's the thing. If you get to untap with Nissa, you can have huge turns where you make any kind of play to put yourself slightly ahead and then follow it up with Nexus of Fate, and your opponent's not going to keep up anymore. Plus, you get to play cards like Mass Manipulation in your sideboard. They're playing Palaka Worm as well to kind of shore up the the mono red matchups because here's the thing nexus has generally been very very bad against like the mono red matchup and this version of the deck has way more game early in the game against mono red you know they don't just get to throw everything at your face because we have cards like land world jayla ranger and incubation you have they have to respect that card as well yeah i've seen people putting uh uh what's it called ripjaw raptor in these decks too it's like a sideboard or main deck option against the gruel and uh red decks and that card is just so good so good in that matchup yeah, this is definitely, I think, one of the... I think that's the card that's, like, stock has risen the most in the last, like, week or two is, like, Thorn Lieutenant and Ripjaw Raptor. Just green creatures that are good in spots where they're either... One is very good against, like, Teferi and early, you know, aggression from red decks or whatever, and then the other one's just great against any form of aggression besides getting bounced and Ripjaw Raptor. And, and like, if you can put both of them in a deck and have it be good, that's pretty great, too. You know, um, we were messing around with Gruul so much as that, like... 
since we saw that Ripjaw Raptor is in a good spot and like we saw that, you know, Thrashing Barathodon has been in an okay spot and like, you know, four ofs and a lot of sideboards. We were talking about playing all these cards main and trying to play Thunderherd Migration and just make our ramp spell not be, you know, like shockable and instead just be an actual rampant growth. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm not sold in that being an actual option that can be done. The uh, There was another Bant deck that made top eight. It was actual just, they call it Bant mid-range, but it's pretty much the same as all the other ones. It actually had four uh, Arboreal Grazers main. So this thing is like just pure ramp, actually. And it had like Thrashing Barantanon's main, Nissa main. Um, it didn't have Nexus of Fate, but it had four Mass Manipulations and four Finale of Glory main. So it's just looking to cast huge spells and huge haymakers right away. I got to say, I wasn't, I was pretty surprised to see Finale of Glory make it into this top eight, uh, but these Bant decks are all doing pretty much the same thing. And do you think this is a strategy that's going to, we're going to continue to see going forward? Uh, I mean, I, at this point, we really haven't determined what the best Nissa deck is. So, I mean, all, a lot of these are basically just what's your, what's your flavor of, of Nissa ramp deck, right? Between mass manipulation, you have the, uh, command the dread horde decks that are trying to abuse it. Um, and just like, you know, Nexus, things like that. So, uh, I don't know. Seems like uh, it, it is kind of cute with the uh, Teferi and Finale to be able to like end a turn Finale for uh, Poop Ton and then untap and just. What was what was it? It's like the White Sun Zenith, I think is like. Yeah, it's literally just White Sun Zenith. Also, Mass Manipulation at Instant Speed is a, a pretty big one, too, because I will say that that is one part of Teferi that we haven't seen really get explored is the plus one part being super relevant. Like we've seen decks that like Thought Erasure You or like maybe Cast Kaya's Wrath, but we haven't seen anyone do like really degenerate shit with Teferi yeah, during their opponent's the, None of the big spells. I have, I think I've had Command the Dreadhorde cast against me at least. Yeah, one. yeah. I mean, like that's like another thing. I, I haven't seen it happen personally, but that's another one that can happen. That's, that's something that pretty much ends the game. Definitely kind of interesting that we saw. I, I mean, to, to be honest, well, obviously there are some key differences. The fact that two Bant decks in very similar fashion and style, both top eighted, uh, should be a strong sign that it's pretty, pretty reasonable, or at least, you know, potentially going to be a player moving forward. I'm not sure how I would even fight against these kind of decks. Um, I mean, obviously they, they can obviously lose themselves, but what what is this deck bad against? I'd probably go under it with mono red. That's yeah. probably how you beat it. Yeah, that's why they probably have like Thrashing Barantan on main. Yeah. Is like they, they understood their worst matchup. But the thing is they have Grazer and Barantadon. That's like a lot to get yeah, through that's as what a red I'm deck. Saying. That like into Teferi means like there's a lot of very early interaction. And then if you ever go Nissa into you know Hydroid Crassus, you know, that just feels like it just pulls you so far ahead so quickly. It feels like it doesn't really give you a lot of time to move through it. Yeah, I think that's one of the combos in standard that we're starting to see more of the last couple weeks that just felt like should have happened sooner and should be like almost format defining. And that's Hydroid Crisis and Nissa. And it's just like something like they're just best friends, right? They should just be used together more often. And I think this deck is one of the best uh, Nissa decks I've seen because you see the decks with Nissa have something like Hydroid Crisis and like maybe one other big payoff. But this one has Mass Manipulation and Finale of Glory and has to ferry so it can do it at instant speed. Like this deck's great. I, ca I can't wait to... Uh, mess around. Also, I'm not sure if the Threshing Rotodons are main now because they're also listed as a 4F in the sideboard. And I would think they're supposed to be in the sideboard. I, I'd have to do counting on this because there are a couple clerical errors and they're posting in the top 8 decks list. I just looked at the next one as well and it's got a mistake. So maybe the Brontodons are actually in the side here because Grazer can do a little bit of work 
in game one against Mono Red. So, and speaking of Mono Red, that was pretty much one of the last two decks that got in. There's nothing surprising here. It's just like the the Mono Red that we've all come to know and love. But the last deck was the deck that Brad Carpenter loves and just loves to. What is, what is it called? Almost Harlan himself with it every tournament. Yeah, I don't. Harland? I don't love this this deck. It's got yeah. a poop soup card in there. What the four of Augur of Polis? Yeah, I don't like that card. That card wronged me week one. I'm yeah, so that's the one card that I was the most surprised by by looking at this deck list. Is just four Augur of Polis main. Like, there's two Capnet main, which is like, like I said, I I think this card is very powerful and runs away with a lot of matchups. But the four Augur of Polis kind of blew my mind, right? Like. It's not good against a lot of decks, right? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, two mana, one three is pretty bad on most occasions. It's supposed to. It probably helps in mono red matchups, or at least that's the theory. It's the only thing I could think. But uh, I am disappointed in the lack of crackling Drake. Yeah, like that's the one that kind of surprised me. There's zero crackling Drake here, and yeah, I can understand having auger bolts to kind of shore up your mono red matchup if you think it's going to be that prevalent, but. Here's the thing. I've played this deck a lot, and I mean like a lot, a lot, and it's actually pretty decent against Mono Red, even without Augurabolas. Like, and Crackling Drake is one of the like best ways to win that matchup. Yeah, Kefnet also uh, helps a lot, I think. In the- it's hard to kill, for one thing, yeah. Yeah, it almost always ends up being a two-for-one, or you just end up getting value off of it, or it just bricks the board completely. Um, yeah, without Crackling Drake, that's kind of weird. Yeah, because like the thing is, is uh, most of the time in the in the mono red matchup of this deck, you kind of like tread water, like do a couple of things, maybe even block with like arc light phoenix just to make sure you don't die early, and then you find that turn where you get to like play a crackling drake, and they're gonna die on like the next turn, or they're gonna take a ton over the next two turns because the crackling drake is like a nine four or something, you know, yeah. and it just really surprised me that you don't have it because like the card is just so good too; it always replaces itself. It's very good, but. I'd have to like, you know, test the deck out a little bit more, but four Augur Bowl, it's kind of scares me. I'm not super excited about it, but you never know. It could have been really good. I will say this, it's pretty good at attacking Teferi, you know, like some other some other planeswalkers getting Narset off the board. You know, it is it does have power, so it can attack these planeswalkers, but because that's that's the thing you're super scared of with this deck, right? Is Teferi and Narset. Those are the like public enemy number one. Uh yeah, I think some a, a lot of your like draw spells are pretty bad against um to fairy and Narset, but like you have arc lights that you can just straight cast and you have a bunch of burn spells that like it's rough but like it i think it's pretty beatable and then you can just like slam kefnet and stuff like that and just attack and you have electromancer to also round out your early drops so i haven't found him to be too big of a pain yeah i mean that's why you're seeing these decks actually have lightning strike main now is because you just have to answer Narset so much and like we've been talking about this if you cast Narset against phoenix like you probably shouldn't activate it you should probably just leave it at five. Yeah. And that's like one of the best ways to kind of like have that thing get set up or whatever. So um, maybe that's something that people should be thinking about in the future is when you're when you're casting your your Narset against Phoenix decks. Do you really need this card that bad? Like, you know, the card that you're going to get off yeah, of it. So. Probably generally. I mean, <laughs> there are spots where you're supposed to activate it for sure. But yeah. I do like Kefnet though. Kefnet, Kefnet seems kind of interesting. I, I think I agree with not play with playing Cracklin Drake Sasser, but I I think I, I would not. I think I like Kefnet a lot. Kefnet seems really good right now. Is even the all five toughness thing. Yeah. Would Would Drake be able to? Is Drake actually allowed contractually to play? Is it Phoenix without Drake's in the deck? Um, he I. I 
what do you mean? I don't think he would not play it. I don't know if you know that. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he's allowed to, right? Yeah, he is uh, under contract with Nova to, if he plays uh, Arclight Phoenix. Or red and blue deck. He generally is going to have Crackling Drake in his deck. Yeah, like, that's his name. He has to have it in there. All right. We don't have have contracts, but uh, I'm going to write contracts for season two just to make sure that that... Please tell me they're going to be, like, on a napkin and tell me that Austin's is going to be done in crayon. Please tell me Austin's is done in crayon. As Austin's manager, it will almost assuredly be done in crayon. (laughs) Oh, you're the manager now? Since when are you Austin's manager? Did you get get his chair? Uh, No. I gifted it to him because I'm such a nice guy. Oh, really? When when did that happen? When did you become a nice uh, guy? When I, uh, you know, I reached out with my connects at SCG and I said, I know, I know that, you know, this is the address that you're sending it to, but you should, uh, you should send it to my boy, Austin. Oh, interesting. Wow. Thank you, Brad. You're so kind. All right. So if you're playing standard this weekend uh, at the Invitational, where are you? You don't have to, you know, give away anything, but where are you leaning to? Call. Are you surprised? I'm I think not. he just wanted to say calm more than anything. Else. It's the only thing I can win with. It's just like everyone's just like, your deck sucks. This deck sucks. It's bad against this. And I'm just like, all right, man, lightning strike this, shock this, my turn, finale, charter course, bring back two phoenixes. Are you dead yet, chief? Let's move along. Are you dead yet, chief? That's Yep. That's where we're going with that? Yeah, I don't count life totals. I just keep attacking until, uh, you know. Yeah, don't keep track of life totals. Uh. <laughs> All right, so if I were to be playing in the Invitational this weekend, I think I'd be playing Gruul. Gruul. And I would probably play a different list than the the Grand Prix Top 8 one. Uh, no offense to that list or whatever, but I would probably have some changes made to make myself better in the mirror. And just like some slight changes here, like I kind of like Paradise Druid in the deck a lot because the mana is not great. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure I'm going to play Gruul this weekend. I'm 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 going to be pretty face up and open about everything that I'm going to be doing. Um, I I'm probably playing Gruul. It's like going to be really hard to get me off. I've been getting yelled at a lot by some people uh, that I shouldn't be playing Gruul, mostly Brad. But I think Gruul is bad, but everyone smarter than me tells me that Gruul is nice. And then when I say I don't want to play Gruul, they say, "Are you? Do you think you're too smart for it?" And I say, "No, but I like Phoenix so much. It just feels so good every time I play it. I just I, draw some yeah, cards. You just you just want to feel smart. It's like this whole. I, I it's this weird thing with Magic players too. And I used to be like this too, where I felt like if I was playing a deck that gave me quote decisions unquote and i mean this because arc like doesn't give you any like really different decisions either yo it's, it's so hard you just you very think, you just think that you're hardest deck i've ever played it makes you feel like you're so much smarter than everybody else because you're playing i'm a genius gives you these false decisions these phantom decisions and i i, I yeah. think you're just doing that i just think you are that's just not even true. It's like when my opponent plays a two power creature and I'm like, oh man, this is really tough. Uh, shock it. All right, my turn. All right. Uh, I got to I got to Arclay Phoenix. My, I guess I'll chart a course. All right. What are we going to discard? We could discard any of our good cards or this Arclay Phoenix. I'm like, this is really tough. Uh, I'm going to have to go in and tank on this one. And then I discard my Arclay and then it's so nice. And I'm like, wow, I just played that game. Perfect. <laughs> Barely won. <laughs> All right, I gotta ask Brad um, before I before we do this or whatever. So I'll I'll start with you. What are you playing in modern this weekend in the Invitational? Are you doing mono arc light phoenixes? 
I will be uh, I will be playing eight burbs across my. Uh, are you actually going to play eight, or are you just bringing four? No, what? Who, you really think I'm going to borrow four extra arc lights just to? No, that's yeah, ridiculous. In my DMs, he's like, "Hey, have you decided what you're going to play at? Because I'd really like to borrow your Phoenix since I have another copy of the deck." But I, want no, I, I, I don't want Rudy's nasty arc lights. Those things are they'll ruin uh, my, well, my my chance. My arc lights have won an open, Brad. No, they haven't. <laughs> they have. They literally did. <laughs> Austin played oh. my my deck <laughs> at an open and won. Yeah, about that. All right, I'm gonna need. Uh, I'm gonna need those arc lights. <laughs> Mine have mine have also won it. Hell open, yeah! Wow. Just just saying, I got Ross the his arc lights for the uh, for the Baltimore Open that he won. Whatever. Sick, so. I got my teammates arc lights so that way they could win opens. <laughs> Greg. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Well, I mean, like, it was hard to find that card right. then, man. You couldn't find it anywhere. Both of you each send me four arc lights, and all no. all. Nineteen of this. Journey. I have some bad news for you. I'm playing my arc lights this weekend. I'll give you the ones that I have in my possession. See, the thing is, it's, it's only there. Really weird too, because Arclight Phoenix like essentially was not being played at all on Moto because of the London Mulligan, and we'll get to that in a second. But then it didn't get really played at the Pro Tour because of the London Mulligan, and then I feel like because no one was playing it during that time period, everyone just kind of pretended that the deck was unplayable, and now it's just like crushing. It's starting to crush again. I think like not. I think we're going to start getting to a point where I mean, ArcLight's broken inherently. I think the deck is very powerful. It does a lot of really good things in modern. It is really resilient to hate. It uh, you know, is very consistent, which is something that's really important. And it you know can kill an opponent very quickly. Uh, so I think in general that our ArcLight is just a very good deck, and I would be, I would be, uh, I'm all about it. So is that where both of you are playing in modern? Yeah, probably. Yeah. We're on a team with Crackling Drake Sasser. You really think <laughs> we're not playing an arc light strategy in modern? Oh, yeah, I mean, come on. I Let's talk I'm... about our team. Our team is Austin Collins, who's won it open with arc light. Um, Drake Crackling Drake Sasser, who got the finals with arc light and top eight another open with it. Harlan Fear, Steam Benz Aficionado, Ali <laughs> Ali Warfield, also arc light Steam Benz Aficionado. Like, and well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it's not necessarily going to be for everybody, but like, it is kind of funny that, like, you look at this and we just have like this collection of people who fucking love Arclight Phoenix way too much. Yeah, I'm a big fan of blue red decks as well, just like, like the Kevin Jones type, you know, just any kind of spell slinger type deck. Real quick, uh, so have you ever heard like on a sports broadcast sometimes before the game they like have their picks to click? I don't know if you've ever heard of that uh phrase before, but it's like who they think is going to have a no, it's I don't know. It's it's like who they think is going to have a, a good game, you know, like who they think is going to, you know, it's like your pick to do well that night or whatever. Ali Warfield is one of my one of my picks to do well this weekend. Mm. I think she's going to more than cash this tournament. That's How about it. That? I am playing both of her 75s. Thank you, Tanner. I, I mean, she's very smart. My, yeah, she's very smart. Is anybody wearing a Nova logo is going to do it because as you as you know, uh, Team Nova is the best team on the tour. Yep, I like that. Tan Confirmed. It's just he's just rolling Tan- with it. He's like, I'm not. Tan- a- it's like BCW's just not not going open anymore. You know? Yeah, we just, we just, we just, we just don't exist. Like we're we're the we're like a unicorn. We just don't actually exist. We don't actually go to go to opens anymore. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Hey, Ross almost top aided Kentucky. 
true. He did. Uh, that that match was really hard to watch. We're not going to speak about that. Yeah, I because I, I will say this. I mean, it was it was really nice that you know that Nova had some competition in Myth, uh, you know, BCW, and then they got some competition in Mythicos, and and that's just it. Like now, there's just Mythicos. It was just really mm-hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'll beat a few events, and yeah, I'm like a lock to lose in the finals of those events or whatever. Oh yeah, at least at least one of those you're gonna lose. Well, didn't you lose yeah. in the top eight of the last team event? Yeah, That's we did. Same, yeah, but not the same. <laughs> not the same. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, I've lost at all the other spots of the tournament as well. You know, I mean, like, I have what nine, nineteen top eights or something like that. I've lost in more than just the finals. <laughs> or I have, I have eight or nine team top eights, and I haven't won one. So. Hopefully yeah. you do. Uh, I got to tell you, winning the team tournament's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I kind of want a team tournament brag. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. But Tannen, a serious question for you. You have been Tron guy, you know, for just the longest time now. You picked it up, you've been crushing with it for the most part. Are you still on the Tron train? And how does Karn make you feel about the deck? Does it make you feel like your deck got better? Do it make you feel like people are building the deck worse now because they're trying to fit in Karn? Like, do you think Eldrazi Tron's better? So I thought Eldrazi Tron was better, and it very well might be, just because like being aggressive with um with Karn is like probably the better way to to go about it. But having seven mana on turn three to be able to go like Karn into a three drop is like way more important. And it's way more consistent doing that in mono green Tron. Um, I actually had a long talk with uh, Joe about this today because I was asking like, what's he, what's he playing in the invitational and he's unsure. And we were both like, yeah, we thought it'd be easy. We would just play Tron because we're the Tron guy, but it's been doing very badly in modern lately. And then this weekend happened where Tron did really well. It like won the online MCQ and then it did really, really well in the, uh, the online um, challenge as well. The modern challenge. So I'm not sure. Um, there's another deck that my team has been working on in modern, and uh, I'm not going to say it because it's not my deck to, to give away. And I think one or two of the teammates is playing it. And we might want to keep it under wraps. And I like the deck a lot, like a lot, a lot. And it looks really good on paper. I've been seeing some screenshots and watching some games and stuff. And the deck looks really sweet. And I would very well easily be convinced to play that. I could play humans, but let's be real. Um, I've, I ordered four Japanese alternate art cards and they came in the mail and I would just want to show them off more than anything else and just flex on people with my eight card deck. But no, uh, I think I would be like 50, 50 to play Karn and that's 50% to play Tron versus like 50% versus every other deck in the format. I also could just play the Arclight Phoenix deck. I've never played it like a huge event before, but I played it at some other modern events and done okay with it and enjoyed it. But I find the deck kind of boring, believe it or not. But, you know, Tron's also pretty boring, too. So uh, that was a very long-winded way of saying probably yes. I would probably play Tron. Do you like Karn? Uh, I have not played a game personally uh, with the new Karn yet. Like, I haven't tested it. I've talked to other people, and I did coverage of a few events where I've seen people uh, play with Karn. It's interesting. Um, I think it makes for, like, more... Like, it's obviously makes your deck more threat-dense, and, like, you have... I'll say this, it makes the blue-white matchup a little bit better, which I think is a deck that's getting more popular in in modern because you have a four-mana threat that can end the game, which, like, you did not have beforehand, and you just need four lands because you're almost never assembling Tron in that matchup. You know, they just attack your land base so well, and it gives you another angle of attack that's really good because you could just kill them that way because they don't pressure a Karn very well. 
Um, I do think the card is very, very good. It's very annoying to play against. It makes her more miserable uh, mirror matches. And that's probably a reason I might shy away from the deck is like, I just don't want to play mirrors with like Karn being what matters and legacy, modern, all that stuff. It just seems so miserable. Okay, that's that's like pretty reasonable because that's that's a that's a deck too. Like, because we saw at you know Eldrazi Tron put a couple copies together. Uh, you know, obviously we had Drake on the cast last week, so we didn't have you. And you know, obviously I really wanted to hear your thoughts on this. But Eldrazi Tron feels like almost if you're trying to play Karn, like four mana Karn, that it's almost like a better variant of doing so. Yeah, yeah. I was saying that like having aggression around it is very good. Thought Not Seer is still a very messed up magic card. You have you get to play Chalice of the Void which is also a very, very messed up magic card. Like all those cards can just win games by themselves. Like there's so many decks in modern that can't handle their best card in their hand, getting taken away from them and then being attacked by a four, four, you know, and then you have smasher behind that as well. Um, Karn gives them like more threat density as well in like a different angle of attack that you're not, you know, you used to playing because like now you have to answer the creature half of their deck while they might have chalice in play. And then you have this Planeswalker that's doing stuff as well, you know? So I'm not sure what the exact right build of the deck is. It doesn't take much to convince me to play a deck that has Mindstone in it. I love that magic card and it's, you know, it's not, it wouldn't take much to convince me to play it, but I haven't physically played it myself. But when I did the, like I, I mentioned again, when I did the cover to the NRG event, two of the same 75, well, 74 of 75 made it in the top eight and they almost met in the finals and then it won the tournament. And it looks very impressive in doing so. I think the deck's good. Um, I'll say this. Anytime they assemble Tron on like turn three or four, I get pretty mad because it's so ridiculous that that deck can assemble Tron because it's so unlikely for that deck. You know, because they have like just map and that's it. And it's just kind of like something that's there to backdoor. Like you should pretty much always be getting um, Eldrazi Temple. It's just better in your deck to begin with, but it's you need colorless lands and they're the best ones that don't have abilities and you know, you can just randomly backdoor into having actual Tron, but I think it's really unfair when that deck actually has it because you know, it doesn't play scrying. It doesn't play a bunch of cantrips and stuff. So it's super annoying to me. And I'm just like, Oh, come on. You know, this other decks generally like this other deck is actually built around doing just that. All this one is like, Oh, I, I hope I get lucky. You know, I could get there kind of thing. So are you like, Rudy, you are actually a fan of it of the Tron Eldrazi Tron. Yeah, it, honestly, it's a deck that if I had more time, I would probably play. I am, it's kind of weird, right? Because like p- part of the downside of not being able to test very much is you kind of fall into this, I, I don't want to say trap, but a lot of times it is. You fall into this trap of leaning on decks that you know a lot better. And if there's a deck in modern that I know reasonably well at the moment, it's probably Arclight Phoenix. You know, it's a deck it's a a deck that i've played a decent amount you know obviously i haven't played it too much recently but the deck hasn't really changed that much you know it's kind of just like eschewed some of their crackling drakes added pyromancer's ascension i I played i played pyromancer's ascension uh, you know when we were trying to figure out the deck the first time you know so i have an idea of of how i want to play and what i want to do you know i have a lot of really good resources one of the things we're talking about you know i have harlan and and ali drake so and, and austin as well so there's a lot of really like solid players who understand the deck really well so if i have questions i can ask but if i had a lot of time i would probably spend all my time testing eldrazi tron because i think it's just so well positioned like obviously chalice is good thought not here is busted but i think if you're trying to play a karn deck that can really like make you better use out of karn and protect it better I, I think it just has to be the eldrazi tron deck when you take a look at it 
Yeah, I mean, I can definitely get behind that. You know, it's just like it would be kind of like what you said. It'd be about familiarity for me. You know, like I don't feel like I would need to put in dozens and dozens of reps of Tron, like the new version of it. I would probably just goldfish with the deck quite a bit and maybe play like a league or two and be like, all right, I kind of feel all right. And then you can kind of think on your feet in the matchups where like, hey, like what should I be getting with my car and the great creator here? And like you can kind of easily kind of shift from there and stuff as well because, you know, I, I would know the deck so well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for you, it's probably a lot a lot easier. But for me, like without ever playing the deck, I'm sure I'm going to make a lot of yeah, decisions of course, that of are subpar. Where I know like at the very least, the other thing is Arclight is so inherently powerful that even if I make a couple of poor choices here and there, our level, you know, might carry me. And I'm going to spend a lot more time. I'm going to know my lines a lot more. I'm going to know my lines and where I'm going and what I need to do a lot more than I would with Eldrazi Tron, where I'd kind of just be like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to do this. And it's just like, ah, I really wish I didn't do that. You know, I could have just done like these three things instead. And and where it's Arclight, you know, where I already know a lot of those lines and where I'm going. So I think like how to utilize your cantrips, which I think is something that's really important with that deck is knowing how to use the cantrips. And like, it's such an important aspect of the deck. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ross actually just wrote an entire like, 1800 word article on like how to sequence your just the cantrips because it's yeah, just actually so important and so vital to the deck it just kind of goes back to that and like it, this is what kind of scares me because a lot of people look at a thing like this is something that like a lot of magic players do and a lot of magic players fall into is they look at a deck like tron or eldrazi tron and they go this deck is not supremely difficult i can play it perfectly basically it's just not true because you just haven't played it enough to know like where to sideboard, you know, where to pick your spots. And it's just because you, you just haven't, haven't played it. Like uh, Brad Harlan and I were playing Tron uh, the other, the other day on discord. Cause obviously we're just, you know, testing modern and like going through things. And we had like, I don't know, like what Brad, like a, like a 10 minute discussion on, on what to do on turn two or three. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Brad. Thanks for thanks for the, <laughs> the, the the real the real addition to the conversation. Yeah, I really wanted to spice it up. I just remember Rudy was trying to get us to make dumb decisions. It wasn't even a dumb decision. You literally listened to me, and it was correct. So yeah, that, that but, sounds like you're making. If that only up. if only you three had a friend that had played this deck hundreds of times and could have maybe figured out what's correct to do to that turn. Uh, if I don't, only I don't associate with uh, with those people <laughs> with Tron players. <laughs> Why? Why would you know one, hold on, hold on. Why would we ask someone who's played Tron a million times how to play Tron when instead we could have three idiots who play Steve Vets have a discussion about it? You might eventually get there. <laughs> oh man, uh, cast Serum Visions. We don't have Serum Visions. Uh, oh, oh, Hold on, Do we have a pizza looting in our yard? Can we get out of this? Chromatic Star is basically opt. You know, Chromatic Star is basically opt. <laughs> <laughs> It really, really is. So anyway, but all right. So we've said the two decks that we would play in the formats, right? For this weekend. I think we've already covered that. Yes. Burbs X8 for me. Okay, cool. Do any of you all have a random prediction for this weekend? Anything that you think happens that surprises people? I'm going to not win the tournament. (laughs) Well, that's not very surprising, but I'm looking for something surprising. I'm going to win the tournament. I think... I hate you. I think... uh, Austin and Dilks both qualify for the Players Championship this weekend. Ooh, I don't know if that's. I was gonna say can. I don't want to vote against my boy, but I think that Austin will not top for this Invitational. I you know, I don't even think he has the top. Well, maybe he does. I I will say that Austin will not top for this Invy. 
that does not exclude him from getting to the finals, winning or top eighting. Well, what? No, no, you can't do that. No, I can. <laughs> oh, There's no way he goes four for four on top fours. That's just yeah. out of control. Here's here. Yeah, that is kind of out of control. To to be fair, if um, what's it called? It, I'm trying to figure out how many how many points he would get here. But uh, if like he only needs uh, to get 37 points, so he needs to have like 12 wins and a draw to get 25 points. And if uh, somebody doesn't do very well, so basically, like, uh, let's see, like, it's actually kind of weird, right? Because Oliver has 123 points, and Austin is sitting at 100. So if Austin top eights, he will tie Abe. So it is possible that if Oliver has like a weak showing, and Austin has a very good showing, I mean, obviously this counts for Zan, Drake, Dom, Tarek, Ethan, because they're all in that same section. Uh, you know that they could actually just spike into the three. But obviously, you have to do very well. But Austin is known for doing very well and overperforming, and it's definitely overperforming, you know, in every invitational. So, so my if I had to if I had to place a wager, uh, or my guess for the weekend is that Abe Dilks and Austin all qualify for the Players Championship this weekend, not including the winner. Yeah, I think you uh, like not trying to disagree. It's just like I think it's way more likely or just unlikely that Abe Corgan just shits the bed than Austin has like a good tournament. Like th- there's almost no chance or Corgan just like one force. You know what I mean? No, I'm not talking about- That's not true. Yeah. I've seen way better players. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I get that. Like that happens. But I was talking about Oliver. Oliver's like the one that's like the on in third place at only 123 points. Mm-hmm. Like the race is actually a lot tighter than it looks. Because like uh, any any bad performance from the top three and a good performance from four through like ten could just massively change what happens. Yeah, I'm actually trying to yeah, look like at the uh, the point distribution exactly for invitationals. I can't find it right now on their website. It's uh, fifty to first, but that doesn't really matter. And then it's I believe it's forty to second, thirty five to top four, and then thirty to uh, top eight. Yeah, here we go. I just yeah, I just 50. found it. No, it's just like. Yeah, you get two points for participation, and then you get five if you make day two, and then it starts scaling. Like that's that's the one thing I think I I, that's another thing I've complained about before in the past when it comes to the the, this these season these season races of points. I do feel like the invitationals are a little too heavy on points because like it's it's pretty absurd that if like three people have pretty much the same season, like entire season, right? We're talking over a dozen opens. And then one of them doesn't do well at the Invitational and the other two do, that they just destroy this person in points. Like, all of a sudden, they're 20 to 30 points ahead of them. And I'm like, that, like... Uh, this, this like, how lame would it be if we were going into this and we were just like, oh, well, Dilks, Abe, and the only ones. Oliver had in yeah. seasons. It's locked up. They, yeah. like, no one can no, pass I'm not saying. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying it shouldn't be. Like, I'm just saying there should be, like, maybe be, like, more of a, like not an actual medium more of like a 75 percent. you know what i mean like i i think it should possibly be scaled back a tiny bit but i'm sure someone did the math on this stuff and this is the best way to do it and they're probably way smarter let's be real they're way smarter than i am when it comes to stuff i just feel like the points are too much this is also coming from a slightly jaded thing uh for me as well because like i usually don't do great in invitationals it's been a while since i've done well so like i would come into invitationals like pretty high on the leaderboard and then after invitational weekend i'm like what happened you know like why did I drop 30 spots or something? You know, I'm like, Oh, all these people like 
made day two and won like, you know, 12 matches and just got 17 points while I got two, you know? And it's like the, the amount of people who get a ton of points is higher in this than in an open. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it makes the weekend feel like such a drastic change to me. And like, I get it, you know, it's, it's a bigger tournament. It's, it's multi-format and it's, it's the big one. Like you have to do well at this and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think I may have phrased this wrong where I'm like, you know, oh, this is wrong, you know? And I'm like, I don't think it's wrong. I'm saying it just feels a little too heavy to me, but it's, it's probably just correct when you do like all the math and stuff with it. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I would hope it was like pretty thought out, but who really knows. Yeah, I, I'm assuming they've they've done the math on this. You know what I mean? Like the uh, SEG is pretty well run when it comes to all this stuff. So, and honestly, like if not, it's still fair to everyone because everyone has to play under these rules. You know what I mean? Like I think the only real unfair thing, the only thing that could really is the uh, IQs or whatever that have been going on this season. But you know, that's we don't have to have that discussion because that takes forever, and I think they're bullshit. But like whatever. Um, anyway, good luck to both of you boys this weekend. I, I hope you do great. Um, I hope you do slightly better, Bradley, than Rudy, so you can put in this face at the next episode. Because uh, there's nothing, there's nothing I like more than uh getting to rub it in Rudy's face. So. And you might remember this. Did we make any kind of? Did Rudy and I make any kind of stipulation going into Syracuse? You did. Oh, we did. Because I, I, we didn't know. We talked about it, but we weren't actually sure. No, you did. Spoiler alert: I did better than him. Yeah. <laughs> It was the it was the uh, the gentleman's Twitter bet, ah, as we like to call oh, it. Oh, Rudy, so, you hear that? So, so Rudy had to do some kind of Twitter thing for him. Uh, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's we're way, we're way past that. So, so yeah. uh, I'm going to be watching a bunch this weekend. Uh, I should be watching Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I'm allowed to do any kind of broadcast thing, but I might have like my chat up, like my channel's chat up if people want to get in there and chat because I don't know if chat for SEG will be open or not this weekend. Usually it's like sub and VIP only. And I might be in there or I will also probably be, be in the discord for grinders as well. If people want to chat, I might be in the voice chat at some point in time. So I'll be in the text chat, but I'm going to be watching as much as I possibly can because if you've never watched the coverage of an invitational before, they go hard. Like it's, I, I still think that opens are like the gold standard for regular events, you know, like non mythic championship, like big ridiculous events with like huge, um, huge money behind it. And SCG is like so good. Like they're, they're the gold standard for everything. And then when you get to here, when you get to the invitational, it's just really, really good as well. Like yeah, I'm they, very impressed with everything they do. They do a lot of like the pregame stuff and like, uh, it's really well done. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I think they go on. So like usually they go on what, like twenty minutes before the first round, and they set it up pretty well and like tell you everything. Blah, blah. They go on like a full hour, I think, ahead of time, and like or hour and a half, and they talk about like decks that you're going to see, things to look out for, like players to watch, and why these are the players you should be watching. They're going to lay out the entire uh, players championship thing for you too this year because we haven't had that in what like three years. This is the first players championship I think three years. And, yeah, that's sick. and so we're going to see that whole thing and. That's one of the things I'm super excited about to see this weekend is you get to see it unfold, right? And it's going to feel like, like if you're a sports fan, it's going to feel like the playoffs. You know, like when you're like, you see these people, you're not going like to necessarily see it on their face, but you know, it's like win or go home. And some people will get to really cement their accomplishment this season. Like you said, they get to stamp their ticket to the playership. So we're going to have the first people that are going to be qualified for the playership that aren't on team BCW. I had to get it in there. I had to, I had to put the fact that we're the only ones qualified for the PC yet, but 
Uh, Wait. What? Who's the... There's someone on your team that's queued for the PC? Yeah, we have the only person queued for the PC. Wait, who is that? Joe. Jo- Wait, Joe's on BC. I had no <laughs> oh idea. Oh my god, I hate you so much. <laughs> You're so stupid. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry, Bradley. I love you. I shouldn't have said that. That was mean. You're very smart and thin and handsome. So, uh, yeah, no, you guys were this, like, while other teams were snapping up people at the top of the leaderboard, you guys just literally cut ahead of the line. Yeah. No, I respect yeah. that. <laughs> Everyone's like, man, all these top pointers, these guys don't have teams. And you're just like, hey, you want to be on this team? You're already cute. Let's, <laughs> we're done. One and done. Yeah, we actually don't care about the internet stuff. That's not what our team was about. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, best of luck this weekend. Hope y'all crush it. Hope your teams do well. Um, everybody Thank at home you. listening, if you're, I'm, I'm, I was also talking to people at home. If you would have let me finish my statement, that's that's where this is going. Everybody is listening at home. If you're going to SCTT Con this weekend, and if you can get there, you should be going. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool things. There's decent food on site as well. Uh, make sure you bring cash. By the way, uh, it's easier to get some. Like I think Chick Fil A only accepts cash on site, and some of the other stuff. And there's like the massage table. There's a lot of cool things going on. Make sure you check what. And Sakura. Yeah. Make sure you check what artists are going because I forgot to look that up as well. So you can have your cards ready. There's a big artist thing going on. Uh, lots of commander stuff going on. There's also a lot of panels going on that weekend. So make sure you don't miss the one that you want to see. Uh, you know, if you want to hear the certain people talk about whatever it is that piques your interest in magic, make sure you don't miss it. They usually record most of it, but, you know, it's, it's in a giant convention center. So the quality might not be super great is it might not be as great as if you get to see it in person plus you get to ask questions and stuff so make sure you don't miss any of that definitely weekend not to miss and uh i am super sad about missing this weekend anybody saw my twitter today actually tweeted that like man it just feels different and awkward and weird not being there this weekend so but why does it have to be a rona god damn it anyway that's for something else but it's just so hard to get there (laughs) but anyway seriously best of luck this weekend i'm gonna be super jealous that y'all are playing and then i'm not but I will see you at the next one. I, I plan on being in the one in December. I'm going to... Or November. Because I don't know if I'm... Well, that's, that's fine. I'll just hang out with Brad. I don't need to hang out with you. So And I don't want to hang out with you. All right, fine. I'll hang out with my team and people who actually <laughs> like me. Yeah. Wait, you're you're going to still have a team next yeah. season? Wow. I am still on Team BCW. Wow. Like, yeah. We have... we have <laughs> See, like, you know, you talk about, like, how y'all don't have contracts. And you had to, like, try to get all stuff. We, all, we already had all that stuff. Wow. Ooh, wow excuse me mr professional yeah, that's, that's why we're the best team it's like we were the most that's real why. i i already know that you're a true team mm-hmm. your better half brandon decandian he might be making a, a comeback here in the second half but we'll see i don't i i'll believe it when he actually shows up for an event but as of right now i actually have teams for all the team events but someone's getting kicked off if brandon wants to show up to one so ooh. Bye, Jim. <laughs> That's probably who's getting kicked off, by the way. <laughs> we're gonna be real. Oh, no, he, he's, he's, he said that he's like iffy for some of them anyway, because he's cutting way back this season as well. He's got some stuff he's got to do with the family is up to. So anyway, so that was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. That was actually really good. I like that a lot. I hope we do this. I hope we do this more. When, when Brad and I did this with Drake last week, we really liked that we just broke down everything. And I'm glad that we're like just continuing this trend, like just breaking down every yeah. deck. It was pretty cool. Um, deep. Yeah, I was very happy with what Drake did, and I'm very happy that y'all got somebody that good to be on the show to replace me in time. That was pretty sweet because it. Uh, I was supposed to say I gave y'all a little bit of a notice, but it wasn't like a week of notice. You know, it was I found out like what like four days before that I couldn't do the show or something. 
Did you listen to the episode? I listened to some of it. So I didn't, I was trying to listen to it on my phone and uh, I don't have the SoundCloud app on my phone. And so I would like go to the Twitter and just like find it on, on our Twitter, you know, cause we post it and I would start listening to it on that. And anytime my phone would like go into, you know, like when you don't touch something on your phone for a while, it like turns itself off. He would just restart the whole episode. So yeah. I had to like, I had to like keep like Spotify. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I had to keep like doing it a bunch. So I listened to like half of it. Whatever. Fair. Did enough. you hear any parts about me saying that you were being replaced? Cause uh, it didn't happen. Those were made up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Sure. There Definitely were. didn't mean it. No. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear it. You uh, said so- seven times. No. Oh, nice. Brad. Brad, since you're since you're uh, so Brad. Yes, me. I'm Brad. Brad, Brad. I'm Brad. You. Yes. I'm Brad. If I wanted, to, if I wanted to email you for some godforsaken reason. Uh, well, you could reach me at thetanninggrace at gmail Actually, that's for all business inquiries and uh, dank memes. Actually, I haven't logged on to that in a while, but yeah, you can't, I do own that. That's me, thetanninggrace at gmail Right, Tana? Yeah, that is definitely you. Yep. Hundred percent. But anyway. Where, where else could we find you? You could also find me. <laughs> you could also find me on twitch.tv slash Brad Enraged. You could also find me on Twitter at Brad Uh Where can people find you, Tanner? Uh, they can find me on Twitter under the Tannen Grace. That's where I actually have that name. And then you can find me on Twitch under Tannen Grace. So that's where you can find me. What about you, Rudy? Where can they find you and the cast? Uh, if you are looking for me specifically, you can find me at uh, the Notorious BZA on Twitter, which I will still maintain as one of the my, one of my favorite things that I, someone has ever come up with. So I was very happy with it. Uh, you can read my articles every Monday at CoolStuffInc.com, or you can watch my videos. I think I'm going to do. I think I have a cute video coming out next week on Monday. Um, if you are interested in checking out the podcast, you can obviously support us uh, by finding us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. And you can always listen to us there. That's the best way to support us. If you're interested in f- checking out the Twitter, we're at GrindersCastMTG. We'll just be posting, you know, answer any questions. We'll be posting, um, you know, all our new episodes and whatnot. You can also find a link to our Discord there. And we do have a Discord. Uh, I'm, I've, I've, I've been really happy with it. I, I, I'm, I'm sure both of you feel the same way. You know, we, we really appreciate the community that we've cultivated. And they've been fantastic. They've been wonderful. We've felt, you know, a lot of connection. People, you know, are joining, you know, pretty much every day. And we just get to have a lot of talking about, you know, different stuff like memes, sports, video games. You know, we also talk about magic quite a, quite a bit weird that our magic podcast would have a lot of, a lot of tough magic discussions <laughs> in our discord, but it happens, but it's great. And, uh, you know, if you want to do that, that would be great. But also we have a Patreon as well, and you can support us monetarily that way, uh, by supporting us, you do get access to our patron channel in discord and you'll always get, you'll get closer access to Brad Tannen and I, and, uh, whoever is going to an event will be posting their 75 or 150 depending on the tournament um for every single uh every single tournament there yeah for every single tournament that we go to mm-hmm. all the patrons i uh, get to see that and if one of us isn't going to the tournament sometimes we still post what we'll be playing that weekend i know i've done that a few times yep and tournaments that we aren't going to uh, a lot of times we'll be hanging out you know as tana mentioned earlier we'll just be chilling in voice mm-hmm. You know, and just watch it and, you know, watch it as a community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a lot of fun doing it. It's, it's great. All right. So uh, I think that's going to be it for our episode tonight. I uh, look forward to giving you uh, a great episode next week. It'll probably be on Tuesday yet again, because I'm assuming you guys are going to be doing some traveling 
on Monday, right? Yep. Yeah. I get back Tuesday, actually. Yeah, you get back Tuesday? Right. I'm leaving tomorrow, and I get back Tuesday. Dang. It's a nice six-day trip. All right, have fun. So look for the show to be Tuesday again next week, uh, boys and girls, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Oh! cod you get one con episode no i get two this is a twofer because there's 275 oh my god all right we'll catch you next time bye bye